CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now! Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. How are you doing, Mike? I'm great, I'm great. I can't wait to talk football for the next hour. Yes, absolutely, me too. Uh, we're getting uh, down to the... It's now the final week of the CFL regular season. Playoffs are just around the corner. And uh, we're still getting some interesting football going on in these final couple of weeks here, so we got a lot to talk about. Uh, where do you want to begin, Mike? You know, it's honestly, man, I, I, I can remember you saying to me, I think it was two, three weeks ago, I'm not sure if you said it on the podcast, but you were saying that there wouldn't be much meaningful football potentially in week 20, and less three weeks later, and we have, by my count, at least three minutes. Three meaningful games. Well, yeah, you look at it, uh, go back two weeks ago, and you look at Calgary basically got first place locked up in the West. Uh, the Bombers, all they need is one Winnipeg win or one Edmonton lost, and they've got second place locked up. And so that's a game that looks like it's going to be meaningless. But the way things have transpired over the last two weeks, now we look at we're going into the final week. We've got a key game between the Eskimos and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Edmonton could play, but to put it this way, and someone pointed this out on Twitter this week, the Edmonton Eskimos could play their first playoff game in five different places. It could be in Edmonton, in Winnipeg, in Saskatchewan, in Toronto, or in Ottawa. Wow, I never looked at it that way. Uh, lots to decide in the final week here. Eskimos could finish anywhere through between second and fourth. Second, third, and fourth in the West Division, um, which didn't look like it was going to be the case a couple weeks ago. Like I mentioned, there, Bombers needed a win, Eskimo or Eskimos lost to clinch that second place. Bombers go on a two-game losing streak here, and the Eskimos, to their credit, are looking great and have won now four straight games after that six-game losing streak. So th things have shifted a lot in the last couple of weeks. You heard me on the podcast last week going talk about how my perception of the West Division playoff race uh, has changed. And, uh, you know, next week is when we're going to start getting into our official playoff predictions. And uh, I, I think I'm pretty confident in who I'm going to pick come next week. Yeah, again, you know, I need this week to figure it out. And then, you know, I, I just like there's a bunch of things, you know, We'll get into the bomber game in just one minute here, but there's a lot of things that were alarming and caught me by surprise that this week, and that is the fact that, you know, everything that we once knew to be kind of settled made me wonder if perhaps, you know, we're looking at it a little bit wrong and perhaps that maybe we should take this week into account and then almost, you know, for lack of a better term, not worry about making playoff pitch because you just don't know what's going to happen. Like, it's impossible to predict even what a week from today will look like. Um, you know, once we start talking about playoff matchups in week 20. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even if just looking at the games that happened this week, I think you look at the majority of things here and uh, you can argue that, you know... Um, it's kind of flipped on its head from what we've seen for through the majority of the season. The one constant, still Montreal, still a terrible football team. But out of that all, you know, the Bombers get upset by the Lions here and don't look good at all. Uh, the Ticats and Red Blacks, man, that was a good football game Friday night between those two teams there. Uh, Saskatchewan pulls off the win over Montreal and the Eskimos go and give Calgary their second straight loss for the first time in five years, Mike. Yeah, it's 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 very, very interesting what's what's going on in the CFL. Um all the things that we perceive to know just basically out the window with whatever football game. 
Absolutely. Now let's uh, let's get into things here and start off with the uh, with the bomber game because I know you wanted to start off with that one and uh, you actually went and rewatched it last night, correct? I did. I, I rewatched portions of it. Uh, just uh, I spent about an hour and a half looking at it. Uh, granted, it was about twelve thirty in the morning till you know it was early on and late in the day, but I mean, and then I went and looked back at it in the evening, you know, once I had some time to think about some things. There was a lot of more positives than people are alluding to. Bombers lose 36-27 to the BC Lions. Uh, you know, I I applaud you for re-watching that thing because my initial reaction, you know, as a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan after watching that one, and granted I watched it on the PVR so I got to skip commercials, so it wasn't quite as much time of my life I wasted watching that, but, you know, that was the immediate reaction afterwards is like, why did I just sit through that? And it sounds terrible to say for an 11 and what now, 11 and 6 football team to go and say, have that reaction to losing a game, but this was a terrible one to watch from the Bombers' perspective, and I can't believe they only lost by nine points. You know what? For for me, I looked at this as a game of missed opportunities, more so than anything. And it started for me in the first quarter when Dom Davis came in. He didn't really look all that comfortable. It was... He missed a bunch of open throws on the first drive that he came in. Um, on the flip side, I think the Bombers could have done a better job of settling Tom Davis into the game. You know, those short and intermediate throws. You know, you know, made the quarterback comfortable for a guy, you know, but doesn't really have a lot of have a lot of reps in in, you know, gameplay. It's one thing to do it in practice, but it's another uh, to do it in the game. Well, and let's talk about that for a minute. The big thing, obviously, as much as the loss hurts for the Bombers, it's the injuries continuing to pile up here in the final weeks. Uh, Matt Nichols goes down. Andrew Harris goes down late. The Bombers were so fortunate all season long to have the least amount of injuries in the CFL, and now it's coming at the worst possible time where... You could argue, you know, all of their top players are injured right now. You look at uh, Jamal Westerman, Maurice Leggett, Matt Nichols, Andrew Harris, Darvin Adams, Tim Flanders definitely needs to be considered up there. You know, these are some bad injuries the Bombers are getting, and it's coming at the worst possible time, and we saw their effect in this football game. Yeah, but knowing what we know now about injuries, I'm just wondering if, Last week may have been an overreaction. How so? Well, I mean, Bob Irvin reported today, but Michael Shea told TJOB that Andrew Harris should be dead to go, and Matt Nichols is more of a question mark, which leads me to believe that they might set him out this week and then hopefully have him back against Calgary. So the Bombers, true and far, were... Very fortunate to escape the injury, but if you look at it, um, the only real significant injuries started with the Jamal Westerman injury, which was only about four to five weeks ago. I would argue Ian Wild earlier in the season, he missed them. But before that, it was Ian Wild, right? Um, for the majority yeah. of the season, he had been injured, and then Weston Dressler went down for a little while. But by and large, compared to other teams around the CFL, especially the Edmonton Eskimos, I mean, you can't complain about the injuries the Bombers had all season long. They were very fortunate in that regard, and now it's starting to hit them, like I said, at the worst possible time. You know, it's just interesting. I mean, every team every team goes through them at some point, right? It's just a matter of overcoming them, and I wonder now if we're going to see the shortfalls of the Bombers, or if this is a rallying point. Well, and I just want to take this, uh, you know, because why not, take it as a moment to uh, give a little bit of an I told you so. Did I not say that 
Stutton, you know, the Bombers needed to lock up that home playoff game and sit people in this game against BC because BC is always a heated game and guys are going to get injured. They always do in games against BC. And sure enough, Matt Nichols and Andrew Harris go down in this game. Yeah, but the the argument I will give for that is there's a substantiated report that Matt Nichols was hurt long before this football True. game. And I should say, it's not like Matt Nichols went down due to, you know, a heated scrap or anything. He went down by himself. It was a completely non-contact injury. So that kind of, you know, to be fair, ruins my point there a little, and I'm fine with that. But... but- and you look, you look at the Andrew Harris injury. I mean, yes, it looked it looked like a helmet on helmet hit. That was a very questionable hit. But I mean, I got it. You gotta put some blame on Dan Lefevre for that one, throwing the ball so low that I mean, Andrew Harris had no choice but to grab the ball and get demolished. You know, it's very interesting, Ryan, because again, I, do you blame Dan Lefevre with the amount of reps that he's had? Well. This is a guy that's been in the CFL, and granted, you know, he hasn't had that many starts in the CFL, but he's been around for a long time. Uh, we've seen him play very well in the limited, you know, rep, very limited reps he's gotten so far this year. He just looked off in that second half when he took over in that fourth quarter. You know, 5 of 12, two interceptions. Uh, his incompletions were all kind of, and even some of his completions were just, you know, throws that really kind of put his put his receivers at risk there in the sense that they really not, had no chance to move after they got the ball. Dom Davis, like you said earlier, didn't look great either. This game for me, if nothing else, kind of, you know, clarified who my pick for Bombers most outstanding player of the year is going to be. And it's the, it's the quarterback, right? Oh, absolutely. It's Matt Nichols because we just saw what happens when Matt Nichols goes down. The Bombers live and die with Matt Nichols. If he's not ready to go come playoff time, uh, and this is no disrespect to Dom Davis and Dan Lefevre, they haven't had that many reps, especially Dom Davis, and I think he could develop into a great quarterback. But as of right now, I give the Bombers, against the tough competition out West, zero chance in the playoffs if Matt Nichols isn't ready to go. I, I cannot argue with that one. And, to, you know, it's it, it was very evident the. The offense can get anything going in this game. Um, five trips to the red zone, all five of them being held to field goals. Um, we should mention that as well. Justin yep. Medlock, seven field goals in this game, right? That was our talk last week. That's been the talk around town. Oh, Justin Medlock having a terrible season. He misses that late kick against Toronto. You went and defended him, rightfully so, last week and went and said, how many games this year has Justin Medlock carried the team uh, and kicked seven, eight field goals? And what does he do? He goes and does it this week to prove you're right, Mike. So so good point on that one. You know what? And I mean, all the worries of Justin Medlock have kind of been put to rest for a little bit. Yes, yes. I think there's still the concern there that... It's been a little shifty this season, you know, one time, one game he'll have those seven field goals, go seven for seven, and the next he might go like two for four or something like that. So I, I, I don't think all of the worries are gone, but clearly, you know, he, he is a guy that you can rely on. It's, so can you repeat your last question you cut out there briefly? Oh, I was just saying that he... You know, at times it's been shifty this year. Like I said, a couple times you'll get those seven for seven, and a couple times you'll get a two for four out of Justin Medlock. We're not seeing the same level of consistency, I don't think, uh, from week to week that we've seen in the past from him. So I think there are still some concerns there. But definitely, you know, he ri- he can rise to the occasion. Yeah, and I mean, let, let's talk about something else here very quickly with BC, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. How many times did the BC Lions, and I think one scenario, um, just down near the goal line, I think it was on the seven or eight yard line, a third and three, and Wally Buono decides to go for it, and John Jennings, I think it was the second touchdown at a football game, if I'm not mistaken, where he finds, I don't know who it was in the, in the, uh, in the end zone there for the third down completion. It was I think Nick, it was Nick Moore. Nick Moore, that's who it was. 
And I'm thinking, does this just not speak to what other coaches think about the Bomber defense? Well, the, to be fair, also part of it, what has Wally got to lose? You know, they're already missing the playoffs. Might as well go for it. So, uh, does that mean you're not convinced Calgary wouldn't have done the same thing? Well, I, and I think there, I think there is some validity to what you're saying there. That yeah, this Palmer's defense showed it again this week. Gave up a heck of a lot of yards. Jonathan Jennings had his best game of the season, one of the best games of his career. Seventy-five percent passing, over four hundred yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Can't get much better than that. Chris Rainey had almost uh, had almost 200 yards and two touchdowns on offense, never mind kick return yards yet, too. Um, yep, the uh, the offense was all over the Bombers. Do you, I, you know what? Sorry, just to kind of flip there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't really know what to make of this performance from the Bombers' defense because for everything they did wrong, they did something right, and every time they did something right, they did something wrong. For me, I don't think, given the circumstances of the way the offense performed, Ryan, I don't think you can fault the Bomber defense as much as you could fault them in their recent game against Toronto. That that's a fair that's a very fair statement, and that's and that's what I was saying in our conversations, uh, you know, earlier this week that we were having after the game. Um, in the sense that the Bombers' defense gave a heck of a lot of yards up, and in no way do they, I think, get a you know a premium pass out of this loss. But at the same time, they made some big plays on defense that kept the team in the game. Uh, you know, you had that blocked punt on special teams, which was a thing of beauty. Um, the defense and the special teams really despite the yardage given up, look at all the turnovers they forced, look at all the sacks, they, the times they sacked Jonathan Jennings. You got to get the yardage down, but the defense played, other than that, still a pretty good game, right? And really, if the offense could have just gotten a little more going and converted those field goals to touchdowns, you're looking at the Bombers winning this football game and hosting a home playoff game. And they still could host the home playoff team. That's true. That's true. One week to go. Either they beat Calgary or Edmonton loses to Saskatchewan and we get home playoff game here in Winnipeg. Against Saskatchewan. Right. How how interesting is that? There's so many different scenarios of how things could go in this final week. The Bombers, the Riders, and the Eskimos could all tie at 11-6. and six. And that would mean a Blue Bomber home playoff game. Right, and Saskatchewan, yeah, against the Riders, like you said, and Eskimos going out east. Uh, What else you got on the Bombers here, Mike? You know, one thing that really stood out to me is there seems to be a lot of this uproar, and yet with the Bomber loss, they would still have the same record as they had last year, and there was nowhere near the amount of angst. I think it's I think it's because the expectations are so high this year. Well, I I think a lot of people, to be honest with you, myself included, set the expectations to be too high. Oh, I would agree with it. And they they overall in the season they've risen above my expectations because I predicted them to be a five hundred team this year. Uh, I thought they would take a bit of a step back, but the, I I think the reason you see the difference between last year and this year is look at how bad it started last year, right? And then they got on that, you know, it was like they were 1-4 and four on the season or something like that before they went on that seven-game win streak. And so that was still kind of rising out of the bad years of football here in Winnipeg. That I, I think it was, you know, the expectations still weren't high because we had seen what we'd seen for so many years. Now coming into this year, now after playing so good for so long, and having these last couple of weeks, they're 2-2 two and two in their last two weeks and have played their worst football of the season at the worst possible time going into the playoffs. So, yeah, I understand why there's angst. I, I have it as well. I would, you know, I've said as well that I had a decent amount of confidence in the Bombers' chances in the playoffs. I thought maybe they, you know, throwback to a couple of weeks ago, I thought, okay, yeah, I could see them beating Saskatchewan or Edmonton, and then you go into Calgary and... I gave them a shot at beating Calgary, and 
Now, from what I've seen the last couple of weeks, my, my confidence in the Bombers in the playoffs is going downhill pretty fast. I'm still not there yet, unfortunately, Ryan. And it, I, sorry, go ahead. I, I think a lot of this is an overreaction to the point, but, but and I'm not, and I'm not saying you know you're to blame. I'm saying the fan base as a whole. A lot of this is compounded by the fact no Andrew Harris, no Matt Nettles, or they both got hurt in the game. Matt Nettles, you know, missing most of the game after getting hurt, you know, on a certain drive of the game. I think this is, it's, it's a reaction based on some predicating injury factors of two of the best players the Bombers have on offense. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And, you and, know, and, to- it's, and it's compounded sort of touch you off by the missed field goal last week in Toronto. Right. I, I think we're just seeing, uh, you know, a lot of things that raise concerns of imagining the what could go wrong in the playoffs. Like, you know, worst case scenario, what's going to happen, right? And and we've seen some things that are kind of raising, you know, that perception of, okay, the worst case scenario is going to happen in the playoffs. And I think that's where a bit of the panic comes from. I ask you this. You know, the angst over the Bombers' playoff chances, I've got it. You're not quite there yet. Is it as large if the Eskimos and the Riders weren't playing as good as they have been? Yes. Because because I, I the way I look at it, and I think that's where a lot of it comes from for me personally, is that, yes, while the Bombers are still a good football team, you look at these last two weeks, even when they you know, haven't deserved to win a game, they've still been decently close to winning these last two games and should have arguably with that last-second field goal and if they just converted a couple field goals to touchdowns in this game. So I, I, I think the Bombers are still a good football team, but I think it's the rise of the Riders and the rise of the Edmonton Eskimos that have you know diminished my confidence in it. I'm not there yet because I think the Riders are still beatable. To me, to me, the Riders are leaking oil. They they left a lot of stuff on the field on in the game against Montreal. Now let's talk about that game. Yeah, just start us off with your thought on that. For for me, Saskatchewan did what they needed to do. But it was not without a whole lot of uh oh. Now you saw more. Now you saw more of this game than I did, as uh, I had uh, other stuff going on. What do you mean by that? Uh, the whole like uh, the whole lot of uh oh from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I don't know if you heard what happened to Bakari Grant. Basically, uh, showboat in a touchdown uh, when he wasn't across the goal line, and then. Cost his team seven points. Right. Yeah, I did see that one. Um, was that it, or was there uh, was there was it there was, other concerns that you got from the riders coming out of this game? I got a lot of. I don't have to, a lot of concerns, but just their inability to let Montreal hang around as long as they did. They kind of got complacent. I thought to the end of the football game, whereas. They left doors and windows open, so to say, for Montreal to come back. Other teams might have taken the opportunity to walk through the open doors and windows and made it a football game. I just, I guess I'm not fully sold on the Ryder performance because it was against Montreal. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, even if you leave the door wide open, you would need a large neon sign for the Montreal Alouettes to try to find their way through it. Yeah, and you would have to... Basically, the only way to be completely honest with you, and sorry to blame... Sorry to play the blame game on Montreal. But the only way the Riders were to lose this game is if the Riders shot themselves in the foot. Absolutely, I would agree with you on that. Um, I noticed Kevin Glenn and Brandon Bridge split time in this game. As again, I didn't see it live. Did uh, did Glenn get injured? Did he get pulled, or was he just rested? Same old. They did the old switcheroo, same in the past couple of games. 
Because to me, it doesn't look like he played bad. 104 yards passing and two touchdowns. To me, it almost looks like kind of, okay, Glenn got out the lead. Okay, let's rest him. Is that not what happened? Sorry? To me, it almost looks like, just looking from the stats perspective here, Kevin Glenn came out, did what he needed to, and then they pulled him because they were up in this game already. Is that not what happened from what you saw? I didn't see too, too much, but yeah, that would be a fair assessment. The other thing for the Riders is, is their quarterback, Carousel, going to end up killing them in the long run? Because isn't this about the time where you go with one quarterback and stick with them? You would think, but why break what's, uh, why fix what's not broken, right? Well, it's like in hockey, right? The goalie, the goalies play half a game and then they come out. In the Stanley Cup playoffs, you still play your goalies half a game. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, right? Um, so I, I wonder if Saskatchewan doesn't go with Brandon Bridge in the playoffs. And wouldn't that be interesting? Glenn gets the start all season long. Bridge comes in, does mop-up duty, or completes a comeback the last several weeks. And then all of a sudden in the playoffs, you hand it over to Brandon Bridge. I don't know if we're going to see that happen. Um, if anyone were to do it, it would be Chris Jones. Maybe Vernon Adams will start. I'm kidding. I'm kidding on that one. But, yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it's an interesting dynamic, that quarterback carousel they have going, but somehow it's being effective for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah, it's just for me, it's it's real interesting. You know, exactly what, uh, exactly what your plan is as far as that is. And I, and I think, for the sake of the offense, like, it doesn't really hurt them on paper, so to say, yet. But we'll just kind of see what happens, uh, you know, when when the offense seems to kind of, you know, as an offense, you need consistency. You need that guy, right? You don't need to go, you know, who's the guy? Who's going to be a quarterback, right? Right. So I, I just think in a playoff game, that's what you need. Maybe Chris Jones is a whole heck of a lot smarter than me, and that's why he's the coach of the team. But I think the Riders need to stop this quarterback rotation thing. Two of the guys that kind of carried the team on offense in this game are two guys that weren't in the Riders lineup for the majority of the year, and that's Trent Richardson had his best day as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider so far. 20 carries, 127 yards, two touchdowns, a dominant performance from him. And Chad Owens at wide receiver, nine catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown, Mike. It... Owens has been back in the lineup for two weeks and has been uh, has been the Riders' favorite target at wide receiver. It begs the question, when Naaman Roosevelt comes back, Chad Owens has been the odd man out all season long. Who comes out of the lineup? Does Owens, Has Owens earned a spot? Owens has earned to keep playing, in my opinion, as long as he keeps playing as well as he has. So then who do you take out from that offense that has such a wealth of riches? I, I don't even know, to be honest with you, and... I don't even think Chris Jones is contemplating that because I think that's where Naaman Roosevelt stays out of the lineup until he's able to beat somebody out. I, I think, here's the thing, one injury is in another man's game, and until Chad Owens gives you a reason to take him out of the lineup, you don't take him out of the lineup. Mike, we're two, we're two weeks away from the playoffs, and you, can, you can't tell me if Naaman Roosevelt is healthy and ready to go. He's the Riders' best receiver that you're not going to put him back in the lineup for a playoff game. If you don't have room for him on the roster? And well, you know, well, he should be the number one guy on your roster, though. But I'm saying is, but what I'm trying to say is, why mess with something that seems to be working so well? Right, right. Yeah, I get what you're saying in that sense. I, 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 To be honest, yeah, I'm interested to see who it is because, like I said, Owens has been the odd man out all season. Uh, I imagine when it comes to playoff time, Deron Carter will be back on the offense and they'll have some, you know, they'll take him out of the defense. But who knows? It remains to be seen. Um, you got Bakari Grant, Deron Carter, and Naaman Roosevelt have been the big three all season long. I would argue Caleb Hawley becomes the odd man out, but he had a good game this week himself. So, it's a wealth of riches for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at wide receiver. It's a position I want the Bombers to be in. Absolutely. If you want to talk about something the Bombers need to do in the offseason, go and get some depth at wide receiver because I, I think we're seeing a little bit of that. 
Granted, some of the newer guys have played well. I, I, I think we're seeing a bit of a depth issue at wide receiver in Winnipeg. That's fair. Um, the Montreal Alouettes, Mike, the big news really for this game for the Alouettes, Nick Lewis playing his final game in the CFL. He announced he won't be playing next week in the final game of the season. Nick goes out with the loss here to Saskatchewan. Kind of a sour way for Nick Lewis's career to end, uh, given that, you know, the Alouettes have now lost, is it nine straight games, I believe? That's obviously not the way, or sorry, ten straight games. That's obviously not the way you want him to go out on the season, or on his career at all. But what can you say about the career of Nick Lewis? Nick Lewis, to me, as a fan was one of those players that you never really wanted to to play because you feared he would tear your team apart. And to me, Nick Lewis is a, one of those guys that, regardless of which team you are a fan of, he was always a guy I cheered for, you know? It's, it's fun, such a fun guy to watch, such a dynamic personality on and off the field. Uh, Nick Lewis was a great thing for the CFL. I hope he sticks around in the CFL in some capacity. Uh, whether it's a coaching role or whatever it is, you know, just a tremendous career. Congratulations, Nick Lewis, on a heck of a football career. And we're going to miss seeing him out on the field. Yeah, and I've been, for me, it's... I I can remember Nick Lewis when I first started uh, watching CFL. He was in multiple great cups with Montreal. He was in... um, you know, he was in Calgary for a time. Nick Lewis, to me, is almost along the same lines as a Ben Cahoon and a Melt Steedle. I would agree with you completely, yeah. I mean, he's the leading reception leader in CFL history. Now, whether you want to start to debate who's the better receiver, Nick Lewis or Melt Steedle, I don't want to start that debate now, but... They're both... You know, They're both legends. Both legends. They're they're both legends. One could be in front of the other. And if there were to be an all-time CFL team, like if you were to put all the CFL players in history onto, you know, to say even in my lifetime or in the last, you know, 20, 30 years, and you were to put two all-star teams based on the last 20 or 30 years, both teams and both all-star lists would have both Milt Stiegel and Nick Lewis. Absolutely. And then we have another Montreal Alouette here, Mike, that I'm wondering if this is is it for Darian Durant because we saw him after the game take time in Saskatchewan, go, you know, speak to fans there. Uh, As it, it almost seemed as if, you know, Darian was preparing for this to be his last time in Saskatchewan and saying goodbye there. You have to wonder, another mediocre performance from him, 9-20 passing, uh, one interception. I, I personally think, you know, just at the, especially at the salaries, at, like, the Alouettes, if they have any any sense whatsoever, you know, need to move on from Darian Durant if they're going to rebuild this team properly. Obviously not the way he wants to go out on his career if this does end up being the end for him. It, it kind of begs the question, both Nick Lewis, Darian Durant, awful season for the Alouettes in general. If you were in this position, getting up there in the CFL in age, you know, you think you're getting down to your last little bit in the CFL. How do you make that judgment of, okay, I want to keep going, but I really want to make sure I go out on top? I think you look at it. Um, I think there's many players that I've talked to in the past that have played football or that have, you know, podcasts that I've listened to. The players want to be able to go out on their own, own terms and say, you know what, this is it for me. I can go out with peace, you know, and a presence of mind that I did it a good job. Like, to the best that I could. 
you know, went out on my own term before I got hurt. And not like Anthony Calvillo was forced out, right? That That's the big and, one there. And for me, for me, Ryan, here's the thing. Anthony Calvillo, hindsight being 2020, would probably be the first person to tell you that I didn't want to go out this way, and I would advise any CFL player that, is considering retiring, go out on your own terms before you're forced to go out. And I think Nick Lewis saw the writing on the wall as bad as this season was for him. Yeah, no, and I think that's a good way to kind of sum that up is that, you know, you look at uh, performance-wise, team-wise, a bad season. Do you really want to go out on a three or a four-win season, whatever you're at? I think it's three wins for the Alouettes, if I'm correct. Yeah, 3-14 and 14 on the season. Do you really want to go out on that? No. But would you rather go out on that on your own terms or risk going out due to injury by coming back for another year to try to go out on top? Yeah, it, it's just a really interesting... It's a really interesting conversation uh, that we're having here, Ryan, because it'd be cool to get a former CFL... a former CFL's take on it. But what I see is exactly what we've been talking about here. You want to go out on your own terms as much as possible. Absolutely. Moving on here, Mike, to the Battle of Alberta is the one I want to talk about next. The game featuring my 2017 Grey Cup favorite and the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, it's... Calgary lost two in a row for the first time since 2014. Nope, 2012. 2012, yeah, it's 189 games or something like that. The Eskimos come out on top 29 to 20. The Mike, the Edmonton Eskimos, seven wins in a row to start the year, six straight losses. Now they've got four straight wins. I I I did the quick math this week. If they win this week, they win their next two. They end up in the Grey Cup going seven wins, six losses, and seven wins. What a weird CFL season. Yeah, and it, they would tell you that, you know, that seven-team losing streak or whatever, six-team losing streak, whatever wound up being, was sort of the momentum adversity time for them. And, you know, every team goes through it. It's just a weird, conventional, weird, unconventional way of how to go about it. Well, and I'll tell you this, you know, to me, you yes, the CFL season as a whole matters in the standings because obviously every game counts towards points in the standings and that can affect where you play or even if you play in the playoffs. But to me... You can, like, once playoffs hits, it's, it's the moniker we use all the time, you know. After next week, records are zeros across the board, right? Records mean nothing going into the playoffs when you have a one game, you win, or you're out. And to me, it's not about your record all season long and what you did in the first couple of weeks of the season. It's what you did coming into the playoffs, and there is no hotter team in the CFL right now than the Edmonton Eskimos. And it's weird. That's why they always say... That the CFL season starts at Labor Day, and boy, if there's any season that defines that to be true, it's this one. Yeah, yeah, and Calgary, another loss. Offense not looking spectacular in this one. Um, Calgary has their fair share of issues. The bomber has Bombers have their fair share of issues. Saskatchewan's on a roll. The Eskimos now are, you know, as hot as could be. But things are going to get real interesting in the playoffs here, Mike, because things have flipped around. And I was saying this to you earlier this, you know, after this weekend's games, that oddly enough, the two teams in the CFL with the best records right now might be the two teams I have the least confidence in to win a playoff game. Let's see how it shapes down. Uh, I think we're far from done. Eskimos really kind of played a solid football game here on all sides of the ball. You know, I, I, I think that what's changed and what makes them so dangerous coming into the playoffs is on all three sides of the ball, we've seen improved play from all of them. Uh, you know, on offense, talk about a Darius Bowman 
we talked about most of the season, right, how he was having such a down year. He is now back. He's hot right in time for the playoffs, right when he needs to be. He has another two touchdowns this week. I think he had one or two the week before in a 100-yard game. So Darius Bowman is back. C.J. Gable, they have a running back now, C.J. Gable. Mike Riley's playing as good as ever. Brandon Zilstra, clutch as always. Uh, that defense is playing better, although they had a couple key injuries again this week. Brandon Thompson went down, Forrest Hightower went down. Uh, kick return game, Jamil Smith had a great game here for the Eskimos. Uh, kicking, uh, you know, Swayze Waters had a solid game. He didn't miss a field goal. Sean White could be back for the playoffs. I have nothing but positives to talk about from the Edmonton Eskimos right now. Yeah, and uh, I think we're. I'm going to be anointed on the Brandon Zilstra for MOP train right now. Yeah, I, everyone talks about the quarterbacks for MOP always, right? I, I think he deserves consideration there because whenever, you know, whenever you need a key first down, give the ball to Brandon Zilstra because he's going to deliver. He did it late in this football game. I, Mr. Mr. Clutch out in Edmonton is Mr. Brandon Zilstra. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, when you when you look at it, I mean, just it's interesting the way you know things go about. Again, it's much like the awards. Eh? It's like you think you think one guy has it, and then the next guy has a standout performance, and it's just weird that way. Yeah, and, and everything's going right for the Eskimos at the perfect time of the year right now. Uh, they had a couple, two straight games uh, prior to this one, you know, against the Argos and the BC Lions, where they came back on late comebacks, including that big one over BC, and ended up pulling out wins in those games. Here they knocked off Calgary, which we know they, you know, is a tough match all the time. Calgary's first two-game losing streak in five years. Some great football by the Edmonton Eskimos, and, and and we'll get more into playoff predictions, and we're going to get into, I think, some detailed predictions to make it fun next week. But to me right now, the Edmonton Eskimos are my favorite to win the Grey Cup this year. Yeah, it, it's interesting that way. I mean, you, you basically look at, you know, circumstances and things that go... Um, things would change we also can't forget about the east division and how that's improved the last couple weeks absolutely we're going to talk about the uh ottawa red blacks pulling out a win in a barn burner against the tie cats here this week obviously the argos were off but um just to wrap up uh let's talk about the calgary side here what did you see from the calgary stampeders uh where, where are you at in terms of confidence in the stampeders going into the playoffs I didn't know. I didn't know coming into this week. I still don't know after this week. The Calgary started kind of slow. I thought had they had another ten minutes, they would have come back and won. But Edmonton did what Edmonton did, and full march to the Eskimos. Absolutely. You know, every year we've talked about the Stampeders so strong all regular season long. We talk about uh, you know, and then the not getting it done in the playoffs. Is this perhaps by, you know, kind of reverse psychology a good thing that the Stampeders are struggling now? I don't know, man. I, I don't think you'd go into it expecting to lose two, potentially two of your last three games. You know, if they lose to the Bombers, this week to be three straight. I, I don't think you'd go into it, you know, either way. Well, yeah, and one of the, talk about that, one of the team's, one of the top two teams record-wise in the CFL, the Calgary Stampeders and Winnipeg Blue Bombers, are going to go into the playoffs on a three-game losing streak. Aye, aye, aye. For Calgary, I, I, I thought, you know, I thought they did better. They certainly played better this game than they did the week before against the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Bo Levi Mitchell had a much better day this game. Three Over 300 yards passing, two touchdowns. Uh, running game, they didn't really get much going. They only gave the ball to Jerome Messam eight times, um, had 35 yards on that. So running game didn't get going as much as I expected, but I, I, I don't know what to make of it. It's uncharted territory. 
to talk about Calgary Stampeders losing back-to-back games. We have never legitimately talked about on this podcast, Mike, and we've been doing this for four years. We've never talked about two straight Calgary losses. Crazy. And, and it remains to be seen. It's going to be an interesting game against the Bombers this week. So they have first place in the division locked up. Do you? What do you make for the Stampeders? Do you uh, do you rest people in week twenty, or is everyone out there on the field to try to get a try to get a you know back on track going into the playoffs? I don't think you have a choice. I think you play as many guys as you as you realistically can. And you know, I didn't believe I missed that as much. You know, you want to rate the ship before playoffs. Absolutely, and especially if you have the bye week in there to think about it, right? I mean, you can't tell me that Calgary's suggesting themselves privately. What do you mean by that? You know, you, if you lose this week to the Bombers, let's just say hypothetically, you would have lost to the three teams where you could possibly play in the West Final, and you... Can't tell me that that doesn't get into their head a little bit. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I would agree with you on that one. Moving on here, Mike, The this was actually the first game of the week and arguably the most exciting game of the week. The Ottawa Red Blacks, final game of the regular season, take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats and pull out a 41-36 win uh, in which the two teams combined for 29 points in the fourth quarter. Um and even more on top of that, let's see, uh, Ottawa with three touchdowns in the final six minutes. What a football game. Yeah, it's as much as Hamilton kind of lost the game, I thought, full credit to Ottawa. I, I still don't think anyone's brought down Deontay Spencer. I think he's still running as we speak. Crazy. Sets a CFL record for yards in a game. Uh, what was it? 450-something or something of that magnitude? Uh, absolutely incredible football game from from Deontay Spencer. And he is such a key for the Ottawa Red Blacks going into the playoffs because when he gets hot, no one can stop him. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the Ottawa Red Blacks right now, they another big game from William Powell. I think this is an Ottawa team that, that's going to be very interesting in the playoffs. We've spent the majority of today's show talking about the West and all the different scenarios between all of those teams, but don't count out the Toronto Argonauts. Don't count out the Ottawa Red Blacks coming into the playoffs because uh, the, one of these teams is going to be, has a very good shot of going to the Grey Cup and has, you know, I will give them it absolutely a shot to win it yeah i mean especially i mean i i, I don't know i i sent you a text message uh, after the ottawa game saying that this could be the last game till november the 19th which would have been three bye weeks in four weeks yeah but we've seen teams do it before the eskimos did it in 2015 and came and win the gray cup so I, I I don't know if that's a huge concern. No, it's just I wonder if that is Ottawa advantage, giving them a chance to heal from injuries. I oh okay from that standpoint. Sorry, I thought you were talking kind of the rust there. Um, no, but yeah, no, definitely a good game for Ottawa. The ball is now in Toronto's court. They with a win this week, the Argos would clinch first uh, in the East Division. The uh, Ottawa kind of has to sit and watch and wait on that see if they'll be playing next week or the week after in the playoffs. But I, I don't count out the Ottawa Red Blacks in the playoffs. I think they're going to be a good football team. And uh, we saw last year what they can do, even when you don't give them much of a chance, right? You know, it, it's interesting. I mean, Ottawa's had their struggles, but it's not like they're this year's version of the Montreal Alouettes. They oh, lost, not at all. They lost a lot of close games despite being 8-9-1 and one or whatever they are. And you flip around those close games and, uh, yeah, it could be a very different story. They could have easily run away with the East Division this year. They played pretty good in a lot of their games against the West Division uh, this year, which is something, you know, that you can't say for some of those teams out East. So I, I think the Red Blacks have all of the tools to make a run in the playoffs. 
And could we see back-to-back Grey Cup champions? That could very well be the case. And don't forget, on home field in Ottawa. Absolutely, and you know people are going to be allowed in Ottawa for that one. I'm just so excited. I hope it's Ottawa representing the Eastern Grey Cup. How fun would that be to get an Ottawa-Calgary rematch in the Grey Cup? How about Calgary-Saskatchewan? Or, or oh, sorry, Ottawa Saskatchewan. That, or we get an Ottawa Edmonton Grey Cup from, you know, the repeat from the one two years ago here in Winnipeg. This is is this crazy, Mike? We're in what the fifth season of the Ottawa Red Blacks, and we're looking at a team that could very well be in its third Grey straight Grey Cup. Crazy, but I also think it's a testament to their division that they play in. I would, yeah, I guess I'll give you some of that there. Uh, but a very well-built football team, most definitely. Talk about the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I mean, they did just about as much as they could do to win this football game and came out just short. Jeremiah Mazzoli, best game of his career, I would say. 438 yards passing, four touchdown passes. Brandon Banks does it again, Mike. Almost 200 yards in this one and two touchdowns. I mean, I am so excited for next season already to see this Thai Cats football team. Which one, Troy? The Hamilton Tiger Cats. Oh, this week coming up, yeah. No, no, I'm talking about next season already. That's true, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, just look at it. You know, Toronto finding success if they can finally get uh, some people in the stands at BMO Field. You know, that'd be a wonderful thing. And then Hamilton and then... Ottawa's going to be Ottawa, potentially, you know, back-to-back great cup champs. It, it would speak to the model of consistency in the CFL if Ottawa would be in the great cup, you know, three years in a row or three times in five years. I believe it would be three in a three, row. Uh, it would be three in a row, too. Um I think the CFL might have to look at changing their expansion plan. How so? Just from the standpoint that, you know, they got a lot of help in the expansion draft. Well, did they, though? I don't think they did. They they built this team through free agency, Mike. Yeah, uh, especially the receivers. Receiver, uh, quarterback position, running back position. You look at the Grey Cup team from the like, the team that's gone to the Grey Cup two years in a row. I really don't know how many of those guys were actually taken in the expansion draft. So I think this was a team excellently built through free agency. You hear draft and develop, draft and develop all the time, especially here in Winnipeg when you're a hockey fan. Um, but clearly, there's a free agency approach that the Ottawa Red Blacks mastered. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with that. Uh, from the Ticats standpoint, you know, you and I were talking about this year or this this week already. Like, what a crazy year of CFL action it has been. I so wish the Hamilton Tiger Cats made the playoffs because right now they're probably my favorite team to watch out on the football field because they're so interesting to watch out there. And I'm really excited. I think they have a bright future ahead of them. I would definitely say at this point, Jeremiah Mazzoli has earned the starting job at quarterback for the Hamilton Tiger Cats for next yeah, year. Again, we'll see what happens when there's a lot of free agent carousel changes uh, in the uh, CFL. But I think, you know, CFL free agency is is far from a done deal as far as the musical chairs that's going to happen at quarterback. But something I wouldn't have seen coming six weeks ago, Jeremiah Mazzoli is the number one in Hamilton. Yeah, and he's done a heck of a job there so far. Getting into our picks for the final week of the regular season to round things out here, Mike. Uh, and we start off with those Hamilton Tiger Cats, at, Tiger Cats at home to the Montreal Alouettes. Three, two, one. Hamilton. Hamilton. Uh, moving on. I know. Do you have anything you want to say on that, or? Uh... No, it speaks for itself. Uh, the season can't come to an end quick enough. Well, and uh, what do you make of Matt Schultz getting the start this week quickly for the Montreal Alouettes? Yeah, yeah, that's... You gotta see what you have in the guy, but 
boy, oh boy, I mean. Might as well, right? To to think that they thought that, you know, Darian Durant was the answer, I'm not so sure, and I don't think they know. Moving on uh, to, uh, we'll go to this one next, the actual last game, I think, of the CFL regular season. The BC Lions hosting the Toronto Argonauts, a win for the Argos, and they're finishing first in the East Division. Who do you got, Mike? BC. Why? Because I think the time zone to go to Toronto is going to, or the time zone, sorry, to go out west to BC is not going to be friendly. Um, Argo teams have historically struggled with the time change. Um, and just BC, I liked what I saw against Winnipeg. I liked what I saw against Winnipeg for them too. I just think the Argos have so much to play for this week. Uh, that they, you know, they're rested up after a bye week. Uh, I, I'm taking the Argos in this game. Moving on to the two games that matter most for those of us who live in Winnipeg and really everyone out west besides BC. Uh, the, we start off with the Friday night game, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Calgary. Historically, a rough spot to play. Uh, they don't lose at home, but they did to the Riders two weeks ago. They've lost two games in a row. One of these teams will lose three straight. Who picks up a win heading into the playoffs, Mike? Is this Bombers in Calgary? It is. Bombers. It can't get any worse than what we had in the last two weeks. I, it, it's questionable whether Matt Nichols will play. Uh, we've seen the Bombers' defense struggle and give up a lot of yards. If ever Calgary's offense is going to get back on track, it's going to be against the Bombers' defense. I'm taking Calgary to win this one at home. All right. And then we get into the Edmonton Eskimos in Saskatchewan to round it out. A game that means a whole heck of a lot for both of these teams. Eskimos could finish anywhere between second and fourth in the West Division. Riders could finish third or fourth in the West Division. Who do you got? Saskatchewan at home playing Edmonton. Saskatchewan. And I think Saskatchewan comes to Winnipeg. Why why Saskatchewan here? Uh, Saskatchewan a little bit better than Edmonton right now. Edmonton... Interested to see how those injuries pay off. I like Saskatchewan at home of late. They've been really good. This is a tough game to pick here, Mike, and there's so much on the line in this football game um, that I am really not sure who to pick in this one. The Riders are great at home. I love everything about the Edmonton Eskimos right now. You know, I'm, I, I'm going for it. I, I, I said three weeks ago the Bombers have that second place locked up. I don't see any way the Bombers lose the last three and the, and the, and the Eskimos win the last three. I might change this multiple times this week, but I'm going to take the Riders at home and the Bombers are hosting a playoff game. Oh, boy. Don't make, don't make me grow old with whether they're going to be a bomber home playoff team or not. Week from... It, it would be a 12th job of epic proportions if the bombers go on the road. Absolutely. And a week from today, we will uh, we will know for sure. Well, we'll know earlier than that. But by this time next week when we're back here recording, we'll, uh, we'll have it all settled and everything. Uh, final thoughts to close out the show here, Mike. Bombers better get that home playoff game, or they won't hear the end of it. Absolutely. Do you, do you give them a chance if they have to go out on the road to Edmonton in the playoffs? Absolutely, because they've won there before. True, but it's also Mike Riley in the playoffs. It's what I say anytime. Anybody has a chance in the playoffs, you got to be in it to win it. I think that's the best way to round it out, and that's how we're going to end this off here. You uh, you got to be in it to win it. We got one week left in the regular season to close it out. A lot can shift around. It's going to be a fun week of CFL football. 
It's been a great season so far. We're looking forward to playoff time. Next week when we're back, we'll be talking playoffs. You talk about playoffs? Playoff predictions next week. Looking forward to all of it. It's going to be a fun kind of final month of CFL football to round out the year. And we look forward to talking about it with all of you. For Michael Garrell, this is Ryan Coop. This has been the Canadian Football Countdown. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye.